Welcome to the Barely Living Dread Girls podcast, where we like to get high and talk about horror movies. I'm Casey. And I'm Jess. And this week, we are going to be talking about a movie that I know both of us love, um, has, I think, become a cult classic among the genre. Mm-hmm. It, um, yeah. Yeah. And it turns 10 years old. Yes! This year. I feel old. Um, so we're talking about It Follows. It Follows, yes. Released in 2014. Um, it got a lot of bad backlash when it first came out, I remember. Um, but, yeah, since then, people have really kind of come around to it. Um, it's just so crazy to me that it ever received all that backlash. Because I saw it, and at this point, what, 2014, I was... I was about 20 myself, and I thought it was fucking terrifying. Yeah. I thought it was a... I didn't necessarily know as much as I do about horror now. Like, I loved horror. I always have. But, like, looking at it now, I can see it and appreciate it more for, like, the way it was shot and the, the mood and the weird time situation. Like, I can appreciate all those things now. But even back then, when I didn't have all those appreciations, I was like, this is a scary fucking movie. Still scary. Yeah, it's I remember. fucking creepy. I remember I avoided watching it for a long time because all I heard is, it's just a, it's a haunted STD movie. It's stupid. It's not scary. It's it's not, it doesn't make any sense. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, okay. But exactly, those are the people that didn't get it. And I, oh, I, I fell in love with this movie. I, I think it is just so eerie and just so surreal. But it, like, it holds true for a lot of what it's trying to say. Like, it's, it's about, like, it's a come, it's a weird somehow coming of age story. Not really, but it's about learning your sexuality, learning the ins and outs of being an adult through sex. Mm -hmm. And these kids are portrayed as real teenagers and they feel real to me. They do. Yeah. Yeah. It's very authentic. Yes. Um, so... First of all, we start with an opening scene that is a continuous shot. One of the greatest cold opens of all time. If you know anything about me, I'm a slut for a continuous shot. This is the best cold open since Scream. I love this cold open. You want to talk a little bit more about it? Yes. Go ahead. I... Okay. So, yes, it is one long continuous shot. It's uh, one long take. And it starts with... If if any of you listen to our Guess the Score uh, video... Um, this was part of the score that I played. It's this synthy, awesome, just eerie, like banging kind of. And this girl who's in like shorts and like a flat, like flowy top and heels, uh, runs out of her house, terrified looking. She's basically looking right into the camera and she runs out of her lawn into the street and kind of loops all the way around through the neighbor's yard, across the street, through that next neighbor's yard, and back around to her house. So she loops in a big circle, and this song, the sound is playing the whole time, and she looks terrified, and this neighbor, like, sees her, but, like, she doesn't see anything else. We we just see the girl being terrified, and we don't see what she's seeing. And the neighbor even asks her, like, hey, are you okay? She's like, yeah, I'm fine. I gotta go. And she runs in, grabs her car, and fucking books it out of there. Yeah. And we're just kind of left wondering, what the fuck? And yeah, because it was super weird. She ran out of her house, she ran into the middle of the street, ran over here, and then, like, ran back into the house. And the camera is literally following her all the way around. It's one long take mm-hmm. of her running out, running in the big circle, going back to the house, 
coming back out. We don't follow her into the house. We're back, like, in the street, Mm -hmm. getting in the car, and then she rides off, and then it cuts. It's, like, 90 seconds long, something like that. It's actually, it's very eerie, and she, this cold open could work as uh, a horror short on its own, which I think is, like, the perfect way to do a cold open for a movie if your cold open could just, at like, Scream, could just as a horror short, exist and be awesome. You're uh, so right. Yeah, I never thought about that, but it yeah. absolutely, the opening of this could have been its own short It sets film. the tone. It sets <clears throat> it, it just so much. And we cut to her on the beach, uh, and this is such a cool fucking shot. Um, it's all dark. She's It's at night. She's on the beach. But she's sitting in front of her car, and she's got her headlights on. So she's in the headlights, but everything else is dark. And she's on the phone with her dad or uh, voicemail or something, leaving a message. Just, I love you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm a little shit sometimes. Yes. Um, and then it (laughs) snatch cuts to daytime. And this bitch is folded backwards in half, like scorpion. Oh, yes. Yes. If you watch Ridiculousness, you'll know. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but like almost the wrong way. And also, she's dead, and also her leg, with the heel still on it, looking classy, um, is... Till the very end. Just, like, barely attached. That is so unnamed character of her. Yes. Uh, which is pretty cool. We love it. Uh, it's just, like, wow. And then, title card, fuck yeah, I'm in. Oh, yeah. From From the the, first... I was like, this is terrifying. That was so good. It was so good. I love a good opening kill like that, where you're just like... Where the Lord fuck Jesus, did that she's come holding from? like a pretzel. <laughs> By God! <laughs> I call that broken in assault. high off. Assault, salted pretzel. <laughs> Anyways, um, so this is a movie where in the cold open you're thinking, "Oh wow, I don't know what's going on because it's the cold open." I will learn very quickly what is happening. Turns out you don't really know much. Uh, you don't <laughs> know anything outside of what. Jay knows. And I know that that's kind of true for a lot of movies, but Jay doesn't know much of anything about what's going on, and so we... Are you good? Yeah, you go ahead. You keep talking. We are not privy to what's actually happening because the characters aren't. We barely know what the characters know, and the characters barely know anything. Um, And it's even stated later, like, we start learning some of the, quote, rules of this monster... But even the director has said, those are just the ones that that guy has figured out for himself, and they may not even be true. That's just kind of what he's guessing based on what he's experienced. Mm-hmm. So we don't know much of anything, and that's why I love it. There is a sequel set to come out in the next couple of years. They follow. I'm hoping it comes out this year, but that's... But it's one of those movies that's like, yeah, if it gets a sequel, great, because I love the story, but... It also, I kind of wish it would never get a sequel. I agree. Because it's the, a perfect standalone. I don't want to know anymore. I don't want to go in depth about this monster. I don't want to know anything about it. I think it's scarier not knowing anything. I agree. But I will say, if they are going to make a sequel, I would prefer they do it as a 10-year anniversary. Yes. So I would prefer it to come out this year. Yeah. 11 years? Why are we even still doing it? You know? Which, it just seems... 10-year rule. Yeah. It seems silly to me. But... Another thing that's left really ambiguous in this movie is what fucking year is it? There is... It's left ambiguous on purpose. There's modern cars, but there's old TVs. There's old cars? Like, she has a TV on top, a big fucking box TV on top of a 
bigger box TV. The in fashion is all over the place. The fashion, the shell that the girl reads from that doesn't exist. The shell you used I mean, to that call guy, me on my shelf. Oh. That guy that picks her up, I can't remember his name right now, but our main guy that you know yeah. assaults her essentially. Um, he What's has a car name? that looks like a seventies, eighties style car that looks brand new. And not even the time period, but the time of year is also left very ambiguous. When we open up to Jay, she's in her pool. The next day, she's wearing a coat and boots on her way to school. Another day, she's wearing a skirt. Like, the weather is just as ambiguous. You don't know what is going on. It is so surreal. And the gray, like, the the tonage, it's all very, like, muted colors. There's a lot of weird blue tones and, like, like unnatural, like, beige and green. It's like the greens aren't green. Like, the grass isn't green enough. Mm-hmm. And, like, it, it feels like it's, like, like being filmed on, like, an old, not, like, the quality, but, like, the effect of it right. feels like, like an old film camera. Right. Kind of, where it's just, like, it's got that kind of, like, gradient to it. Yeah, that those muted tones. Yeah, which yeah. I think is so fucking cool. And it really helps with the dread of the whole thing because the whole movie has how it's been here all fucking January where it's just kind of gray and there's no like bright sunshine, happy day. Like the beach scene, the beach scene later on, yeah. you know, we get a little bit of sunshine, right. but the most part, the movie is not like the daytime is still very gloom and doom. Yeah. And it's like, it just really adds on to the, Overlaying like paranoid of, feeling, yeah, just like claustrophobic feeling, kind of boxed yes. in, yes, because you don't have that open sky feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just all Hugh. over, man. Hughes' his name, he, yes, his fake pseudonym, name. yeah, pseudonym. Um, so yeah, we are 100% in Jay's shoes for this entire thing, which again. Because we don't have that omniscient view that a lot of times you have as the audience of a movie, uh, it helps fuel that paranoia that she feels throughout the whole movie. And that, and also added to that is, uh, it's the it the soundtrack is by Disaster Piece. Oh, and it's one of my favorite. Oh, good. One of my favorite movie soundtracks. My coworker asked me yesterday. He's like. What are like? What's your like favorite movie soundtrack of all time? I was like, honestly, I would really need to sit down and think about that. I was like, but the first one that comes to my mind as an original to the movie, mm-hmm. not like you know, Dirty Dancing, where they yeah. just compiled a bunch of amazing songs. Yeah, but like fully made, produced like an actual for score. An actual score would have to be the top it of my follows. head. Is it follows? But Absolutely. Sinister. The score for that is yes, insane. And Boards uh, of Canada, I think. Yes, Boards of Canada did yeah. that. that <laughs> Yeah, like that. Mm-hmm. But and that is just one moment in that film. Yeah. That is one moment that yes, you remember, but Disaster Piece fucking like made this movie what it was. Like it is not They put their whole disaster pussy into it. Yes. They did that for disastrousy. Their yes. disasterousy. It did happen. Uh and I just because uh, uh, it helps build that feeling and I think sometimes people not people, just in general, you don't realize how much a score impacts the movie, but like... And then when, you get this, a movie like this. And it's just like, it has you feeling just kind of like tense the whole time, and you're like, I don't know what's going on, but I'm, I'm anxious. So 100%. now you know what I feel every day. Um, <laughs> right. 
So I literally, twice on this, um, greatest, plus the music is amazing, and then, oh my god, this score on the same page, just because I can't stop thinking about it. Oh yeah, I wrote something about Disaster Beast somewhere. (laughs) But yeah, so, Jay is about to go on this date Mm -hmm. with this cute boy, Hugh, and then we also have her sister, and then they're, like... Her sister and then two her best sisters, friends. Her friend Zara and then their friend Paul, um, Paul, who's like in love with Jay. Yes, and they're a little younger, right? Yes, I think about a year probably. Because also that for me was another thing that was left super ambiguous was their ages. Yes, because I'm like they Jay could be anywhere is... from ninth to twelfth grade. Also, the mom is like there are no real like parents shown no. in throughout this movie. Like they're implied and like they're like talked about. Mm-hmm. But they're not actually, like, very omnipresent. Except for, I guess, in the um, scene when Jay gets back and her mom's, or, like, they're in yes. the kitchen. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's but still, the for the most time. part, like, it's just not. But that is a moment of absolute crisis, and that is the only time that we see. Because it's, they have some grasp of reality in that. Like, he kind of assaulted her, but even she admits, like, I did want to have sex. But everything else is so ambiguous, so supernatural, and so impossible to explain that they can't even involve the adults. And that's, okay, that's another reason why this movie works so well. Because every question that you want to ask about this, because we'll get into it. I'm assuming if you're listening to this, please have watched the movie. Please. I know we usually say that up top. And sometimes we even say, like, fuck it, don't watch this. You know, like, you know, whatever. Shudder. Uh, watch this. <laughs> watch this. This is something you have to experience. Yeah. So, um, the reason this movie works so well is because <clears throat> these are teenagers with no resources because they can't tell their parents because who's going to believe them? And if their parents movie, are also not present. Present. And, okay, if this movie was full of adults, um, all the questions you want to ask about this, like, you'll learn throughout the movie uh, that... This thing follows you, but it can't, it doesn't go fast. Uh, It has to, like, walk in a straight line, basically. And so you're asking yourself, well, what if you flew across the world? Well, that's not really an option for these characters, so they have to deal with it in this way. They only have limited resources to be able to run from this, which is what I think makes it a more interesting story than if it happened to someone else that does have the ability, like, oh, fuck, I'll just get in a plane and fly to wherever, and then when it finally walks across the ocean or whatever it does and finds me, I'll just fly back. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it's different if you're an established adult. And that is why, part of the reason they said it for teenagers, and part of be- the reason is because this of what this movie represents and what it's trying to say. Like, after her and Hugh have sex and she's laying in the car, she's got this whole speech. And it's basically her talking about, like, coming to that age and losing that quote innocence that loss of that without and expecting things to be more grand than they are you know losing your virginity and like thinking like I don't feel any different I don't it wasn't what I expected it wasn't this that or the other it's the the feeling of wanting to be an adult when you're younger and the grandiosity of it all and then being an adult and it just being not what you expected and not and more complicated and sad and dark than you think it's going to be. Yeah. And that's kind of what it represents to me. Yes, mm-hmm. it's kind of 
it's also a, a metaphor for an STD, I think, on the surface level. Um, right. And the, the, the thought of safe sex and, you know, passing these things along, but also passing along trauma. It also represents the trauma of, A, losing your childhood. Mm-hmm. B, sexual assault. There are a lot of undertones of that when he spills her out of the car later and leaves her in the middle of the street naked. Um, But it also, it does represent that um, growing up and having to face all these demons, basically, that you didn't have to before you lost that, before you finally came into adulthood and had these responsibilities. And so it's a lot of different things and you can read it a lot of different ways with also it being on the surface, just a good and scary movie. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, So before we get to the scene in the car, essentially they're on the state, they're at the movies and they're playing this basically an I spy kind of game. And it's like, who would you like to switch lives with for one day? And he was like, girl in the yellow dress and she's like what girl are you fucking with me and he's like i don't feel good well Let's he go. first picked the kid a little child that's mm-hmm. like four years old and she's like why do you want to be a kid he's like yeah to have your whole life ahead of you and she's like well you're not that old and he's like yeah but i'm dying i mean he doesn't say that but we learn that like foreshadowing yes um so yes then she picks someone and he guesses a girl she does not see them and he's like fuck let's go she's like what was that your ex or something like the fuck he's like no i just don't feel well let's go to the let's go to the car yeah so, they're back in the car. Oh, no. They go to the beach. They're making out. Yes. Then they go back to the car. And that's when... Yes. They're, like, parked in this, like, it looks like an abandoned parking garage. It's really creepy. Very creepy. And they're in Detroit, right? Yes. This is set in So, there's in a Detroit. lot of... Um, if you've been to Detroit, like... I haven't been to Detroit in maybe five years, but I remember there were so many, like, big industrial areas and, like, abandoned buildings and... I can see how, like, that would make for a very unsettling, like, and that backdrop. Is, and it did. It was so creepy. It was, like, an underpass, like... And that's another undertone of this movie is class mm-hmm. and different, um, like, because... And that's the one thing that's, like, not ambiguous is it is set in Detroit. And they even talk about, you know, the cutoff between the city and the suburbs of 8 Mile. And it... Like, that does obviously play into it, that class system. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, you know, like Casey was saying, like, we see him afterwards chloroform her and ties her. It is. It's really sad. And this, the scene where her, like, hand falls it out. It's better before flower. than after. Or after than before. Yeah. But yeah. still. Yeah. But he. That is a question to, I have. I have questions, too. That is a question that, honestly, if they... I don't want to see it in the movie, but if... That's a question I would like answered in the sequel. Is, do you have to have consent? I have another question. What? Queer sex. I think that would be fine. Well, queer sex between guys, because there's penetration. Exactly. Lesbian sex would be another question. Exactly. That is where my mind was at. My mind went to non-consensual, because if you're a guy Mm -hmm. and you want to pass it along, can you force someone? Does that count? Will it then follow them? Hmm. Like, can you just assault your way to living? Which would be awful, but... Or does it, like, would the monster know and be like, that doesn't count, asshole. <laughs> nice try. 
fuck you. So, so these are the questions. Those, I'm really curious, though. Those it's are so the, funny we both thought about these. Like, those are the questions I would rather have answered in the next one than, like, what if I just fly across the world? Or what if I run, you know what I mean? Like, Or, like, what's what's this thing's backstory? What is, yes, I don't, don't want to know, know where it comes from. I don't want to know it's, like, an alien or a demon. I don't want to find a fucking article about it no, <clears> I in a library. No, I don't want to know about its backstory. I don't want to know where it comes from. And I don't even, I just want to learn more of the little rules of it. I want to have to bring out a clip and put it on an old school projector then i don't want to fucking know about it okay that's going too far yeah that that shit just pisses me off i don't want to know all that i don't knowing too much will ruin yes this move like this type of movie i would rather see real people trying to figure out in real ways and not like I'm going to call this demonologist and we're going to figure it out. No, it's like a couple of real people like, these fucking, shit, this thing is following me. Uh, let's try this. These kids uh, in let's their try late this. 20s, early 30s. Exactly. Figuring it the fuck out. Exactly. Has she been running? Because she's in the, she's going to be oh, in the sequel, nice. right? And her name is Micah Monroe. She's amazing. I I don't know if she's in the sequel. The only thing I've heard about I've it heard is that it's she's called They Follow. I've heard that she's going to be. So it makes me wonder crossed. if she if she's still running. If from she's it, still running from it, or if someone comes to her later, if it's about someone else, and they're like, "Hey, I heard you've been running from this," and she comes in as like a cameo. Mm-hmm. I would rather it be ten years later. Her and Paul are still running from it. Yeah, and are still figuring out like, "Hey, this is these are the rules of it." But yeah, I don't want some like. It's actually from ancient blah, 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 and this is the spell, and its bones are buried here, and it can no, do it because that. it was murdered by so-and-so. No, I don't want any of that. I don't want any of that. Please don't. If it's not a continuation of this movie... I don't want it. I don't want it. Also, Disasterpiece is on board with it. They are doing the music for it. Fuck yeah. Anyways, we're doing a lot of talking here. Hmm. Okay. So he makes her. F- oh, there's just. I mean, the plot is. I know simple, it is. But it's pretty simple. Anyway, go ahead. Oh, you're fine. But after he, you know, ties her to this wheelchair, he's like, "I'm gonna show you something. I have to do this, or you're not gonna fucking believe me." And sorry if you hear my dogs. They just got back <laughs> from a the walk. They're just. They're just having a good time. They're good puppies. But yeah, so he's like, "You won't believe me if I don't show you." He's like. I'm doing this to help you, but yeah. this thing is going to follow you. It could look like someone you know, or it could be a stranger in a crowd. Whatever helps it get close to you. It can look like anyone, but there's only one of it. And it, we see this very naked woman with a very stoic expression <laughs> just walking just straight forward. And we learn later that naked woman opens the door in a sweater. Yeah, that's my son. Fuck. Because um, the first woman we see is actually his mom later on. I don't know if you noticed that. Oh, my God. That naked woman, yes. when he first shows it to her, is the woman that... That's why she has that look on her face. When they find out who he really is and she opens the door, is like, hey, how are you? She's like... Oh, my God. God. See, naked. Yeah, that's his mom. That's which comes back crazy. later for the person across the street, which then comes back later in her her ending kind of thing. Oh my gosh, yeah. It's, it's a lot of parents. So. That's, yeah, that's where all the parents were, I guess. I guess so. So yeah, that is really the only, <laughs> and that's part of the reason that I think it's that trauma of A, having to grow out of your childhood, and B, realizing in adulthood, oh, that was a fucked up thing that happened to me when I was younger. 
and I didn't fully understand it or grasp it. And I mean, even Zara says that later on. My mom told me I wasn't allowed to go past eight mile and I didn't even know what that meant until I grew up. Mm-hmm. These are like very like it, sh- it sounds like such a throwaway line, but it is so poignant. Um, so he does, he chloroform, you know, whatever. He tells her this thing's going to follow her, drives her back to her house, dumps her out of the back of the car, just drives off. And he said, don't let it touch you. Zara, Paul, and the sister, fuck, I can't remember her name. Um, I think I write it later. She, they're all sitting on the porch waiting for her. And of course they're freaking out. The, um, uh, cops come, of course. And... Yeah. So it's like she obviously doesn't really understand what's going on. And all of a sudden she's back in school. It's, you know, wow, that sucks to have to deal with that. And then all of a sudden you just have to go back to your real life. The we get a really sick Halloween reference. What I think <laughs> is a Halloween reference. Yeah. Um, Because she's sitting in class and she looks out the window and there is an elderly woman in like a muumuu. Like a nightgown kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Just walking straight toward the window. And it's like a distance away. And we see it walking toward her. And she like looks and looks back. And it keeps walking. And so she freaks out and leaves. Well, it's, isn't that where... She walks into the hallway. And those girls... Yes. So, yeah. She leaves the class. So she leaves the class and then she sees the old lady walking towards her in the hallway... And there are these two girls having a conversation. The old lady she like, walked walks, between, like, between them. Between them. And yeah. she's like, hello. And the, the girl was like, hi. So, yeah, the girl. So, like, so, like the old woman didn't. would have been between the two girls and Jay. And they look straight. Like, they don't see anything else. They just look at Jay and they're like, hi. So. And Jay runs. Yeah. Got the Micah and Rose out of there. scary face acting is so good. She looks terrified. Yeah. Scenes. This movie also has one of my favorite jump scares of all time. One of my all-time favorite oh, scares. Oh, my gosh. The tall guy. The tall guy. Ah! Oh, I love the quote, too. It's slow, but it isn't dumb. Yes, it's slow, but it's not dumb. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and, yeah, so those are the rules that he has figured out for himself. It walks in a straight line, basically. Um, it's slow, but it's not dumb. You cannot let it touch you. It can look like anything. And it will follow you until you sleep with someone else and pass it on. But if that, that person then dies, then you're next up on the list. Yep. Okay, that's all we, that's literally the only thing we know about it. Um, so we get to a point where they're all just hanging out, watching the small TV on top of the big TV, mm-hmm. reading the shell phone, mm-hmm. and then, um... And, like, some of the furniture looks old and 70s-ish, but yeah. then some of it looks, like, new and... Yeah, we see the mom passed out with their shoes on in the bed, um... Yeah, but then later... So Paul is staying over because it's, like, to help them feel more comfortable. He's staying on the couch. Yes. Micah, not Micah. Well, Micah Monroe. But Jay can't sleep, so she's sitting with Paul on the couch. And I love the, the very quiet scenes between her and Paul. Me too. That, like, very awkward sexual tension of teenagers where they're both not really sure. And I think Jay... Obviously... Paul is obsessed with Jay. Like, he's got the... Mm. He's in love with Jay. But yes. I do think Jay, by the end of the movie, feels the same way. I do, too. But you can just... I think she like, realized, like, this guy would do anything for me. And, yeah. And he just, like... He just looks so awkward. This actor... I can't remember what his name is, but he's oh. great. Um, 
So, yeah, they're sitting downstairs on the couch, and they hear a window shatter. Ugh. So, he goes up to get the sister. I need I need to call, stop calling her the sister. I don't remember I what know. her freaking can, name is. I can look it up. Um, And even the show that's on the TV that they're watching before the window shatters is, like, a black and white or old-ass something show. And so, Paul goes upstairs to get the sister, and Jay goes into the kitchen, and... There is a lady standing there in, uh, well, kind of a skirt, kind of a shirt, but her tits are out. And she pees on the floor. It's so gross. It's so weird. And then, of course, like, there's just this really cool shot. It's it's probably the most iconic shot of the movie. Kelly. Kelly. Okay. Um, when Jay, like, it's like a slow-mo shot when Jay finally, when, like, she sees the thing. And it, like, the disaster piece thing picks up, and she, like, backs up, and her face gets all scared, and she, like, kind of hits the wall. She's got that sweater on. Mm-hmm. That's, like, the shot they use whenever they're referencing this movie, is that yes. shot of Jay. It's so iconic. It's so good. Also, another, like, iconic moment that, like, the movement, her movements are so good as well. Like, not only, like, her facial acting, but just her physical acting in general. Like, when she is thrown out of the car... Her, like, animalistic yes. kind of, like, in the middle of the when street. Like, panicking. it is. Yes. She's, like, and you can see all of her ribs. Yes. Like, it is horrifying. Yeah. When she has a moment, and she does a lot, when she's, like, on the floor or something and needs to, like, scramble to get up, mm-hmm. she does do very good physical acting. Yeah. Of, like, I have to get the fuck out of here right yep. now. And that's hard to do when you're having to hit very specific beats for a camera. You can't go too fast because the camera's following you. Mm-hmm. you. Like, it's not as easy as it sounds. Yeah, but... Um, and so she runs upstairs after she sees that lady, runs into her sister's bedroom. Zara is also staying over, I think. And Paul and the sister... What was her name? Kelly. Kelly. Paul and Kelly and Jay are in the room and she's like, oh my god, there's someone here. And they hear a knock on the door, and Zara's like, hey, it's it's me. And they open the door, and they're like, see, it's just Zara. And she's, like, rubbing her eyes. She's sleepy. And she, like, starts to walk in the room, and this we hear this <sighs> very loud, like, banging. See? Everything's okay. And this tall motherfucker with, like, no eyes. Just bends Like, down. Jeepers Creepers style, like, just, like, pounds through and just, like, comes through the door. It's so sudden. It is so scary. It is so fucking scary. It's so fucking... Oh, and he's just wearing, like, a white fucking t-shirt and, like, boxers. boxers. They're but mostly naked. Horrifying. Most of the things are either naked or mostly naked. Yeah, and he's horrifying. Yes, it's terrifying. Yeah. Of course, she jumps out the window. She basically, I mean, she doesn't Sally Hardesty out the window, but she goes down the fucking roof and rides her bike to the park. Where she runs into Greg. Yes. So they all follow her to the park. And I do like the moment where she sees Greg walking towards her and she's like, do you guys see that? And Kelly's like, yeah. I do. I do. (laughs) It's Greg. (laughs) It's Greg. Yeah. And so essentially they found out that Hugh was a fake name, used a fake name to rent a house. So Greg's got a car. This is another interesting part. When they find the house and are looking through it, like the one he rented, mm-hmm. um, they find a lot of magazines, like porno mags and tissues. 
And mm. I wonder if he thought, can I masturbate it away? Like, can I give it to this tissue and then throw it in the guard? You know what I mean? Like, that's a good that's another point. question. But obviously, it didn't work for him. That's a good point. That's a good point. What if I did it to a sex doll? <laughs> anyway, so his house is weird. He's got all these like noise makers, like that you like walk past. And it, like, they chime or they, like, yes. clash. Anytime a door or window is moved or something, noise will happen so that yes. he knows where the thing is. Yeah. And, oh he, oh, he also said earlier one of his rules was don't go anywhere that only has one exit. Yes. Very smart. But this house, it literally has, like, a fucking mattress and porn porno magazines. That's weird. And, like, one picture yes. of him. Yes. And so they figure out who he is through his high school. His real name is Jeff. Mm-hmm. Um, they show up to his real house, and that's when you see his mom, who was that first naked lady. Um, and so he's like, I did this because someone gave it to me, and I was scared, and you need to just pass it along to someone else. And he says, it's easier for girls. Again, harking back to those same things I was talking about earlier, I won't. And I repeat, you know, (laughs) um, but... Obviously, Micah is struggling with that idea. She doesn't want to just pass it along to someone else and let them deal with it. She's more of a, she's our moral protagonist, clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he tells them all the rules that he knows. Uh, and that's when, is it Greg that lives across the street? Yes. Greg takes them. He's like, hey, I've, I know this cabin thing that we can go to. It's like really secluded. Yeah, and it's nice. It's a nice-ass lake house. Yes, it is very cute. <clears throat> but yeah, so they just try to drive to the lake house, which is pretty far away, to buy some time. Um, this is another one of my favorite scares in the movie. Um, it's very subtle. and Because these are my favorite, one of my favorite kind of scares that's like... The kind of thing that's creepy after the fact, once you realize what you're seeing. Mm -hmm. Um, So what we see is Paul, uh, Kelly, and Jay sitting in a circle on the beach. And when we're looking at Jay, we see from a distance Zara walking toward her in a white t-shirt, just like walking toward her. And then we cut to Paul, and behind Paul is the lake, and Zara in a pink inner tube floats into view obviously we know one of them is not real and i don't think it's the one in the floaty Uh, so fucking crazy yes so when we pan back to um jay when we cut back to jay zara is like approaching her and we know at this point it's not the real zara they can't see her and i do like this moment because we get a view from the other's perspective Mm -hmm. uh because we see her hair like, get yanked up in the air, but we don't see anything behind it. Oh, it was so crazy. Yes. And this is a chaotic scene. Oh, my God. Um, is it? Oh, Greg Paul- is in the circle, too, yeah. Yeah. I think Paul maybe picked up yes. the chair and hit the... Because he gets knocked off to oh, the side. Oh, yeah. He gets, yeah. like, hit far. Yeah. So he, like, hit the air with the chair, and it, like, clearly was, like, struck, yeah. you know? There was clearly something there, yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. And something tossed him, but again, Greg doesn't see a lot of this. Mm-hmm. Um... And because I think he got up at one point and walked away. Because then when Paul Jay, got scratched Paula, too, Jay, Paul, and Kelly all run to this like barn area 
But, and Jay had been practicing shooting with Greg, so she takes the gun that she has and starts shooting, Mm -hmm. but Greg doesn't see this thing, so basically- He's, like, getting shot at. Yeah, he's like, (laughs) come on, stop shooting! And she gets a neck shot, and it puts it down for half a second, Um, but it does fight its way in. A very creepy little kid jumps Oh, my. And he, like, crawls through. Fucking God. Fuck that kid. It's very minimal design on all of them that I really like. It's not over-the-top monster design. fuck that little boy. Fuck that little boy. (laughs) Well, don't, but. No. (laughs) (laughs) Don't. (laughs) Actually, don't. I love also. Sorry. I love also. There are so many scenes in this where just subtly in the background you always see someone walking very very subtly you just have to pay attention but it just adds on to the fear the whole movie there's almost in every fucking scene i that reminds me when they went to jeff's high school to figure out where he lives they all get in the car to drive away and they none of them mention it the movie pays no attention to it other than the fact that right before they drive away we're looking through the like car windshield and it like rack focuses to someone just walking straight toward them mm-hmm. like if you pay attention there is always something there following them yep but it, uh, the movie doesn't pay a lot of attention to that you just have to you have to be the one exactly because to... it wants you to be the one that's like is it following me like always uneasy like, and yes. ugh, i have chills yes so she runs out of that barn thing gets in the car leaves all her friends behind and immediately crashes into a cornfield just immediately. So fucking Midwestern, I think I can't stand it. Just immediately. What? Just immediately. So she wakes up in the hospital with a broken arm. I said, arm. how'd that shit knock her out? I mean, if the airbag doesn't go out. She didn't look like she hit that hard. Well, it did. So she wakes up in the hospital. She broke his aunt, her arm. Um, and when they're in the hospital, Greg is like, hey, I'll do it. <laughs> I'll do it. I got this acid, but I don't want to do it. I'll I'll do it. it. (laughs) So, uh, anyway. I said, do you have to come in order to contract it, too? Because I never come. It's also, it's different for every woman, whether you can externally and internally. Yeah. Um, so. And I only can with certain people. Yeah. So, I mean, like. So. <laughs> so um, happy wife, happy life. But, yeah, that does make me, do you have to finish? Does she have to finish? Because she's the one. And if that's the case, can you just do oral? Does there have to be penetration? That's does he have so to So many questions. I don't know. Maybe it's just, like, if you felt like, feel like you had sex. Then it counts. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I had sex. So that's Oh my god. I was so high when I watched this. I wrote, fuck me in the ass for Jesus. Jesus, period. Is it a religious sex demon? <laughs> Literally. Look, fuck me in the, the ass for Jesus. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I don't know why I wrote Fuck that. me in the ass for Jesus. Fuck me in the ass because I love Jesus. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. I don't know why I wrote that, but I felt like it needed to be said out loud. So he fucks, Greg fucks Jay to get the demon away, but then we cut to him, like, on a date with these, like, I see a bunch of smoke in front of the camera. Um, it, we see a bunch, him on a date with, like, these girls, and it's, again, very ambiguous. Does he fuck them? 
does he pass it on? Because then he's like, because then he tells them it's been three days and I haven't seen anything. Yeah. Is it because you fucked that girl? Did you murder someone? Ooh. Did he murder that girl? You know what I mean? I don't like, know. Like, but that, is that murder? To like do that and not tell her and just oh, let her die? Ooh. Because again, it's ambiguous. It is like, it goes back to STDs, like how it is against the law. Yeah. To not like you have to disclose with yeah. your sexual partners. You have to disclose. And yeah, that's. Wow. So, um, that night after he's like, no, I haven't seen anything for three days. Jay is looking out her window and she sees Greg walking in some jammies. It looks like Greg anyway. Yeah. Um, and he breaks the window though to get in the house. And she's to like, his own house. She's so like, that's well, like, that's weird. Yeah. That's a little weird. So she runs across the street, and this is the most fucked up scene in this fucked up movie. It Ugh. is a little over, not, I guess not over the top, because it doesn't, it doesn't bother me to the point where I don't think it should be in the movie, but it bothers me, and I think that was the point of it. It bothers me, too. Um, <sighs> The demon comes into his room, or knocks on his door. Dressed as his, as his mother. As his naked mother. Yes, she's wearing a robe, a robe, her robe and is she's, open. like, trying to seduce him. It's a little... So she's, like, pounding on the door, and Jay's like, don't open the door, Greg, and it looks over at her, and then looks back and just keeps pounding. Oh, so creepy. uh, So Greg opens the door, and he's like, Mom, what the fuck? And this thing just pounces on him, and then... um, Fucks him to death. Yes. Imagine that's the last thing you ever see. (laughs) That's horrifying. Poor Greg. Poor Greg. Oh. Greg may have it worse than anyone at that point. Honestly. So, obviously Jay runs away. Um, uh, let's, and then they eventually, um, oh, she runs away in her car, yeah. sleeps on the hood of her car, finds herself at a random lake, takes off her pants and her shirt, like, so she's in panties and a tank top, because she sees a group of boys. On a raft out in the middle of the lake. Yeah. Again, it's left ambiguous. Does she fuck them? Based on the fact that she's crying on her way home and wet. Yes, I think she did. But you don't know that. She doesn't. It doesn't. It's not like. It doesn't show you. Yeah. That she gets there. It just shows you barely getting her getting into the water and then it cuts to her wet in the car. Yeah. It's like, yeah, she probably did. Yeah. But, um, and she's sad at this point because she feels bad about that. And Paul is like, hey, let me help you, baby girl. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, no, I don't want to do that because I feel bad. It's like, well, you had sex with Greg. Well, Greg and I hooked up in high school. Yeah, it was different because we had already had sex once before. And so then, okay, this scene that's. One of our final scenes, basically. Um, Yeah, this is pretty much the ending. It's our climax. This is what keeps this movie, for me, from being a perfect movie. Which which scene? The pool scene. Oh. I was, I forgot. I was like, there's that naked dude that was on the house. You remember that? That was so creepy. Naked guy on the roof is terrifying. Yeah. Um, Very um, hereditary vibes. Yeah. (laughs) So... They have a plan, and I cannot 
for the life of me, fathom what it actually is. <laughs> That's what keeps this, like, I get that they're teenagers, but up to this point, they've been fairly smart about things. Can you explain what their plan is? I th- They set up a bunch of electronics around the pool, plugged in, and I think what they, in their minds, are going to do is lure it into the pool and yank Jay out just in time before they somehow manage to kick all the electronics in the pool at the same time and shock it to death. Questions. How do you accomplish that? How do you know it will get in the pool? How do you know it can't swim super fast? How do you know Jay's going to get out in time? How are you going to get all those electronics into the pool at one time? And how do you know it can be electrocuted? You've already shot it in the neck. Hey, Casey. What? What other options do they have? I don't know. (laughs) This girl's about to die. (laughs) They need to figure it out. Yeah. I I admire their tenacity. I just, I was like, guys, this doesn't seem. Because as soon as I saw it, I was like. What would you do? So the ghost is going to throw electricity into the pool. Not that. (laughs) Not that. Keep running till I found out a bigger, better plan. Just not that. Anyway, they do that. (laughs) So the thing shows up and... The camera angle in the pool room is so creepy. It is very creepy. We find out that the guy she's seeing... Because Kelly asks, she's like, what do you see? And she says, I don't want to say. It turns out it's her... Their dad, their dad that had died recently, um, which is another undertone of this movie. There's a lot going on in this movie. It makes sense. Then then it gives you, like, it not, doesn't make sense that no, her yeah. mom is, like, not present. But, like, it, it gives you maybe an understanding of, like, how the grieving process has affected her. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, maybe made her fall deeper into an addiction and spiral or something like that. Right. Yeah, so absolutely. I think I think it's it's so fucked up, but it's so, so what like... I assumed was gonna happen happens and the ghosty thing starts throwing the electronics into the pool. <laughs> uh it doesn't work, luckily. Like nothing gets electrocuted, thank God. Um, but she does she is in the pool and she's He's le- fucking pelting her with TV. That's the thing. Once the electronics don't work, he just starts throwing box TVs at her. Oh my god, like he was fucking that would be so hard to stay afloat. Like, I would probably just drown. Yeah, and you're going to, you, if you get hit and pass out, you're going to drown. So, 100%. Um, Jay, or not Jay, Paul and Kelly and them are trying to figure out where the thing is because they still have a gun. Um, she's, like, pointing to where it is. They do a very smart thing where they throw a sheet over it. So yeah. you can see its form. Very smart. And They Paul, actually shot Yara, too. Yes, he shot Yara in the leg. <laughs> Poor Yara. <laughs> so, Poor Yara. um... Although Yara annoys me throughout this entire movie because, like, as far as the movie goes, I get why Yara's there. She's explaining a lot of things that aren't explained in the movie, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that you kind of need her as that character. But if I had a friend that was just constantly reading Dostoevsky's quotes, I'd be like, shut the fuck up. Shut up. I don't care. You're not saying anything. You're just reading Dostoevsky, and I know you don't care. You don't know who that is. Shut up. (laughs) So, anyway... Uh, sorry, I went off on a Zara tangent. Anyway, they throw the blanket over him, and they get a headshot off on it. And then they, again, this is not the part that pisses me off, because the thing falls in the pool and starts holding on to Jay's leg, and Paul's just like, let me shoot into the water at Jay. That was stupid. But he doesn't shoot her, he shoots it in the head again. And somehow they think that 
And I, I think they realize, like, that's not going to work, but it's like, well, we're Maybe just going to get out of here. We got to get Zara some help. She's got, she's shot in the leg. And Jay's been hit with TVs and an iron. And still has a broken arm that probably needs recasted because it's gotten really wet at this point. Yeah. She's got some fucking issues. She's not doing good. But poor, we poor see babies. the we see the pool filled with blood, which is really cool. It's a very cool shot. And just as which kind of makes you wonder, like, out. does it? Did it work? No, probably not. But did it? But yeah, and then her and Paul, fuck. They do. They fuck. Okay. And I bet he's so happy. So that happens, and then we're in the hospital with Yara, or that might be right before that. Um. Well, she reads another Dostoevsky quote. Before they go to the hospital, Paul is out looking for a lady of the night. Yes. I was like, again, again elusive. Did he have sex with a prostitute? We don't know. We don't know. That would be, I didn't even think about like genius because it's like they are going to have sex with somebody else. And then they probably are going to have sex with somebody else too. So, I don't know. The whole, yeah. I don't know. The whole passing it along. Who knows? But Who knows? then how many of them are going to die? I don't know. It's like, an, yeah. I mean, it might I it give you more time. That part I don't think of. Yeah. It'll give you more time. Exactly. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, exactly. I'm selfishly thinking about. <laughs> totally fair. Totally Sex fair. work is real work. I'm just, please have sex with as many people as you'd like because it'll yeah. give me more time, actually. Yes. I prefer if you do that. Please pass it on. Oh, but yeah, then we're, sorry, then we're back with Yara at the hospital. Yeah, anyway, um, her and Paul, fuck, basically. Um, I literally wrote, I would hate being Yara's friend. Uh, <laughs> and then, yeah, after they have sex, all this stuff, um, our last shot of the movie is Jay and Paul holding hands walking down the street, and in the very far distance, there's someone walking toward them. Is it the thing? I don't know. Probably. Did they get rid of it? Did they pass it on? Is it coming back for them? These are questions that I love that I don't have answered. I love that I don't have answers to so many questions. Absolutely. In the perfect way. And not like when you're left in a movie, you're like, what the fuck was that? What what was this part? What was this part? It's like, oh, wow, they just gave you the little bits to make it interesting enough but not give you everything to where they reveal everything. And you're still left wondering, like, what is that thing? But I yeah. don't want to know. Yeah, no, I I loved the ending. I loved pretty much everything about this movie. Um, every rewatch, I get something new out of it. Yes. Um, so it has great rewatchability. Yes, absolutely. Um, every person that I've recommended this movie to that hasn't seen it has had nothing but nice things to say. Yeah, yeah. So I'm really hoping if you guys haven't seen this movie, you, you fucking do. Yes, please do. It is just, even if you've watched this episode and have, hadn't seen it, like, it's something you can still experience knowing what we've said so far. Like, yeah. it just, the music and the tone and the feeling. It's you can't, Yes, you can't, we can say all we want about it, but it's not gonna... You're not going to fully understand until you feel what that movie wants you to feel. Yeah, absolutely. Scary stuff, man. Yeah. Very excited for They Follow. It should be coming out this year. going to be a lot of fucking awesome horror movies coming out this year. Lots of good horror. We um, were talking about it. I showed Casey the trailer for Long Legs. Yes. Um, so fucking stoked because it has, um, what did you say her name was? The main character from this? 
Mike Monroe. Mike Monroe. It has Mike Monroe in it. Yes. And also Nicolas Cage, who, who, I mean, are we all on team Nick Cage is a horror icon? Yes. Okay, cool. After Mandy, yes, but then he made like three or four others. Color Out of Space. Willie's Wonderland. Willie's Wonderland. Um, he was in Renfield. Uh, Pig, which was kind of yeah. He's literally Dracula. Like, ah, uh, I love him. And Long Legs looks fucking creepy. Yes, I'm very excited for Abigail coming out this year. Of, um, of a violent nature. Lisa Frankenstein. Uh, Jeff and I saw Out of Darkness the other day. Highly recommended. I think it's coming out next weekend. We got an early screening. So fucking good. It was just awesome. Um, lots of good stuff coming out this year. If there's yeah. anything coming out this year you really want us to cover... I will probably say, I'll go ahead and say we'll probably cover Abigail when it comes out, just because I'm really stoked for it. Um, I definitely want to cover Long Legs. Yes, but any movies, really, that you want to cover, of course, uh, you can always email us. Uh, that is barelylivingdreadful at gmail.com. Uh, I am probably going to delete the Twitter, because I hate Twitter. I do, too. It's not Twitter anymore, anyway, it's X, so we're probably going to get rid of that. So, yeah. Just follow, uh, like, and subscribe to the YouTube, of course. You can email us where I just said. Uh, and then follow us on uh, Instagram and, of course, our TikTok, at Barely Living Dreadful, um, where we will be posting stuff. We're going to be going to Horror Hound in March. Uh, so that's just a little over a month away, five or six weeks, something like that. Um, I bought a mini microphone. Yes. So we're and some doing, slutty clothes. Yes. We're going to be doing some really fun stuff. Uh, Katie will be there in her videos. Taylor will be there, you know, previous guests of the pod. Um, and yeah, we're going to be meeting some cool people. We'll have some cool pictures and I don't know what we're covering next week. Uh, if Jess has an idea, we'll do that. Otherwise we'll figure it out Mm. and, uh, I'll try to give everybody a heads up on the Instagram or something. Um, but yeah, make sure you follow all that and until next time, stay stay spooky. spooky. Bye. Bye.